Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, and good morning to all of my fabulous listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning into my show. This is Teresa E. Keys, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the greattalkzone.com internet radio. And I want to start off by saying what a beautiful yet crisp <laughs> chilly and sunny day that God has given us here. And the temperature is going to be a high of 60 with a low of 41. I was just telling my um, engineer, shout out to Dave, that it's right now it's like 33, Uh, which, by the way, is more in step where we should be this time of the year anyway. So um, now, um, because, you know, when it was like, I was saying it was like 80 degrees and things like that in January, you know, that we were experiencing, um, that, that was not. That was not right. So I'm glad that it's, you know, the weather seems to be trying to rectify itself. So how are you all out there, my international listeners? I know that you are all doing just great. And once again, I am pleased to have you tuning into my program. I feel very blessed because of it. And I myself am doing just great as well. Today, my guest, uh, Reginald C. Campbell, the family's mental health therapist, and I will be talking about a number of interesting and educational topics. For example, choosing wisely, advocating for children, honoring Black History Month, and living in a godly world surrounded by and surrounded by ungodly circumstances. And of course, my suggestion uh, for dinner table talk. I will be bringing him on shortly, but I want to talk about something with you all before I do. What is that, Teresa? Well, just hold on a second. <laughs> Have any of you out there been watching the Winter Olympics, you know, in South Korea? I will. I have, as I have always been a big fan of the Winter Olympics. And my husband has recorded the event so we can be sure not to miss any of them. I particularly enjoy the skiing and the ice skating events, you know. So for all of you out there, I have a question. Do you remember Torval and Dean, the ice skating duo? You know, they were famous um, at the 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer for dancing to Bolero. And they were, you know, gold medal duo. Well, you know, they're still actually um, very much involved in ice skating now, but they are not competing anymore. So now the duo that has taken their place for me, Atessa Virtue and Scott Moore, they're from Canada. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, they were dancing to the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. They are just marvelous as they're floating across the ice. And for me, that makes them unique, you know, um, because listen to their chemistry that they mix with their athleticism and respect for each other and the professionalism that they display every time they perform. And, you know, they've been together, they said, for a you know, very long time, many years. I can't remember how many years, but many years. And by the way, they won the gold. Um, a couple of uh, days ago when they were competing. And the next favorite of mine, our United States brother and sister duo, who won bronze alongside of um, Scott uh, Scott Moore and Tessa Virtue. And uh, their their names are the Shubutani. Um, they also contain the same qualities that Virtue and Moore have, but unfortunately, they just did not score as high. So I want to say a shout out to all of the Olympic performers, no matter what 
you're competing in, what company, what country you are representing. You are all doing a fantastic job. Okay. Here is my dinner table conversation that I want to um, talk to you guys about. The New York Post, Post reported on 221-2018 um, on NewYorkPost.com by Tamar Lapin, L-A-P-I-N, that NYU served racially insensitive Black History Month meal. Okay? So the story states in part, listeners, that New York University served up a Black History, served up a Black History Month meal at one of its dining halls, complete with watermelon flavored water and collard greens. Okay? And, um, and had no, and had to apologize, <coughs> excuse me, when students called the school out for playing into racist stereotypes. College of Arts and Science sophomore Nia Harris wrote on Facebook, she was shocked to learn what was on the menu Tuesday at the Weinstein Passport Dining Hall on University Place. This is what it's like to be a black student at New York University, she wrote. In 2018, I literally had to explain why displaying watermelon and Kool-Aid in celebration of Black History Month was not only racially insensitive, but just ignorant. She uh, blasted the institution for offering the meal, and she said she was bounced around from person to person when she tried to figure out who was behind the decision. Now, um, she said that the New York president, Andrew Hamilton, he sent a statement to the Washington Square News apologizing for the inexcusable insensitive meal and passed off the blame to the school's food contractor, who is Aramark. He says that we are shocked to learn of the drink and food choices that our food service provider, Aramark, offered at the Weinstein Dining Hall, the statement read. We are grateful to the students who brought this to the attention of the university. Aramark suspended the director of the dining hall, said it was investigating how the incident happened and will be putting sensitivity training in place for its staff. Well, listeners, here's my take on this. The blame was put on Aramark was wrong, in my opinion, and I'm going to tell you why. I was not there and neither was I part of the planning for this event. However, Aramark is an organization that has been around for a long, long time. And as a matter of fact, I used to cater um, uh, they used to cater, you know, for my venues that I was holding in Chicago. And I never had this type of issue with them because I was the initiator of what would be served, how much this is what I want to spend, so forth and so on. Now, the article says that the NYU president, Andrew, Ham- uh, Andrew Hamilton, sent a letter of apology, but passed on the blame to the school's contractor, which was Aramark. You know, that's why I feel that he, the NYU president, was wrong, where he put the blame. As the organization, Aramark was contracted to do a job that was or should, I say, should have been detailed to them for what type of food to prepare for this event. Not unless Aramark has changed how they contract a venue by telling you exactly what to serve at your events. I I just can't imagine that, listeners, but okay. And I'm going to say, wow. And let's move on. And so I, I would, you know, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall to hear uh, the comments as you guys discuss this at your dinner table talk. Now, um, I want to talk about Black History Month that although this month of February is the shortest month um, in the 12 month calendar, nevertheless, it represents an extraordinary and tremendous amount of scholarly individuals, caring individuals and remarkable individuals with their phenomenal achievements that benefited human beings all over the world, whether um, it is in the field of medicine, 
aviation or technology, for example, their names are forever engraved in the true history books for all to research and read about and learn if they choose to. I am now going to bring on my guest, my brother, Reginald C. Campbell. He is the world's best mental health therapist. He is sharp in his commentary. He is highly educated, and I totally enjoy him being on my show, and I welcome him. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, good morning. Uh, Thank you for the introduction, and I always enjoy being here. I know you do. Okay. Uh, It's kind of chilly out there today, isn't it? Uh, Well, you know, I was just going to say that if you took the words out of my mouth, I'm like, jeez. It's cold, you know. I'm I'm telling you a good burr, burr, burr. But, you know, this is basically what it is here. You know, as I had said, um, you know, uh, years ago, you know, I was uh, sharing uh, with um, uh, my engineer, Dave, that, uh, you know, we have, you know, get down to the 20s and things. It can be cold, especially in the high country. (laughs) Excuse me, it can be cold. When I came here three years ago, it'll be three years that I've been here uh, in, in May. Uh, three years ago, probably even two years ago, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, oh, it's cool. I know for a fact two years ago I said, oh, this is okay. This, I mean, I'm from Chicago. But now, boy, you get here, a couple years, your blood thins out, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it's cold. Exactly. And and when, and when it's been very windy, and the wind seems like it's like getting right to your bones. I'm like, brr, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> We've lost our in, in, insulation, I guess. I so, originally... Yeah, I'm sorry. What did you say? No, I was just saying, yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, exactly. Lost that Chicago insulation. So. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I'm, you know, starting off with uh, Black History Month, because that's one of the um, topics that I, you know, uh, that I have on, on the website that I'm going to be discussing. And um, as you know, I want to say, as we are nearing it close to celebrating, um, you know, these astonishing individuals, I would like for you um, and I to talk a bit about the importance of observing Black History Month. You know, why do you think it's important, Reginald? Well, it's important for for a number of, of reasons. Um, um, it's important because it, it's the contributions that uh, these Black Americans made were not just for Black Americans or for America, but for the world in general. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, it was begun back in the early 1920s, um, you know, as as um, a prideful thing for black Americans to, uh, you know, show what they have accomplished uh, in this world and um, and the things that they've accomplished, how it has uh, 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 helped this world. So, uh, so mm-hmm. that's why it's important. Uh, but again, it's not only black history. I mean, because self-pride and all of that, Stars first. I mean, your 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 children cannot be anything or think good of anybody else or anything else until they be, until they feel good about themselves first. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and spread what they feel first out into the world. It's like any mm-hmm. plant when you plant a seed, that seed grows down first before it grows through the ground. So mm-hmm. I know that that's one of the things about Black History Month, why it began, because, you know, this was during Jim Crow. This was right after Reconstruction, you know, the whole bit of this is right after it started the Ku Klux Klan. So it was it was important for black people to know 
uh, and for the next generations to know of the contributions that black Americans have made, not only again to this world, but to uh, to this country, but to this world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I was just, um, you know, want to say that because, you know, I want people to know that this was a segment of the world's populace. OK, um, that were that were demeaned. They were, you know, um, in so many instances made to feel less than and they were told that they were less than. And it was um, laws and things of this nature that were uh, written and put into law, um, making sure that they were treated as less than. OK, and so <clears throat> I am very pleased and I'm very happy and I'm very proud as a woman of color to see and and talk about all of the astonishing and remarkable things that individuals have um um you know developed and 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 it's not like they did something like like it went away now um in earlier uh broadcast i believe uh, in the in the broadcast a couple of weeks ago and then just in my previous uh, broadcast um you know i I've, I've named and numbered a lot of um uh, fabulous things that um you know african americans uh, had did but Rachel, i want to read something real quick you know here and um so um you know i came across this website uh called the witness bcc.com that's b is a boy cc.com and they say Reginald, that there are five reasons you should celebrate black history month and this um, article is written by j martisby on january 31st 2018 uh, and because I only have an hour show, my guest and I will not explore all five reasons. As always, I ask that you go to the website and review the list in its entirety if you so desire. But I will name each list title. Now, first, let me say the following. And this is from the website I just mentioned by giving you, um, you know, some historic. I want to give you some historical facts, you know, about the author of the site. And he says in the following, first, let's briefly recount the advent of Black History Month. He also called uh, African-American, and it was also called African-American History Month. Now, this event originally began as Negro History Week in 1926. I'm sure you know that, Reginald. And it took place during the second week of February because it coincided with the birth dates of Frederick Douglass and um, Abraham Lincoln and uh, Carter G. Woodson, a Harvard-trained historian, is credited with the creation of Negro History Week. Now, Reginald, Back in 1976, the bicentennial of the United States, President Gerald R. Ford expanded the week into a full month. You know, and I remember that. He said the country needed to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. This guy goes on to say, it pains me to see people overlooking Black History Month because black history, just like Hispanic Asian, European, and Native history belongs to all of us, black and white, men and women, young and old. The impact African Americans have made on this country is part of our collective conscious. Contemplating black history draws people of every race into the grand and diverse story of this nation. Your thoughts, Reginald? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, uh, black history, you know, a lot of people say, well, why is it in February and and, um, uh, you know, it's the shortest month and all of that. Uh, but, but, yeah, that had, you know, with Carter Woodson uh, uh, started that in the 1920s. And also it has a lot to do with Juneteenth around the time of, uh, of the Emancipation Proclamation. 
So mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's that's why February. You know, look at that for month. Anyone who lives in in Arizona, just talking about uh, Black History Month. Uh, anyone who lives in Arizona definitely appreciates air conditioning. And uh, Frederick Jones, a black man in 1902, invented air conditioning. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and there's just so many, so many other other inventions that I'll just name a few really quick because I know we we don't have a lot of time. But but and and again, you know, like you say, people, you know, go on and research, you know, this information uh, and other things that were uh, invented by Black Americans were uh, the stoplight, the mailbox, the third rail that runs, you know, L trains in big cities, New York, Chicago, and all of that, the gas mask, the blood bank, the walkie-talkie, the refrigeration truck car. Uh, the first open heart surgery was performed by a black surgeon in, 19, in the early 1900s. Uh, the first uh, eye laser surgery was performed by a black ophthalmologist, female ophthalmologist in Chicago, actually, in the 1980s. Uh, mm-hmm. the light bulb filament, uh, ice cream, which I had yesterday, ice cream, potato chips, peanut butter. Um, I just said air conditioning. Uh, the founder of Chicago was uh, Gustavo. Uh, the ironing board, uh, the hair permanent, um, the cotton gin, and, and, you know, that's just one. This was just a few of the inventions uh, contributed by black Americans. Mm-hmm. And I just want to throw in something very, very simplistic, the broom. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and thank you for that, Reginald, you know, because we need to, I think it's very important that we remind individuals of these things. And it also, um, as I have said before, and I'm going to say it again, this is why it makes no sense, none whatsoever, you know, to, um, you know, to have prejudiceness, you know, running around so rampant in this country. Um, because, because these individuals that you think, because the thing is, Reginald, they're not teaching it in the schools. And, you know, and a lot of individuals, you know, uh, particularly white individuals grow up thinking that, you know, um, that they were the end all be all that they invented this and they invented that. Well, that's not true. Then it also does not take the light from the ones um, of any race that did inventions. But as I said before, we are honoring Black History Month. And we're talking about the fantastic things that um, African-Americans, people of color um, have invented. Now, I would like to uh, quickly read down the list of what this author, um, uh, Jay Martisby, said of the five uh, reasons why we should celebrate Black History Month. Number one, he says, is celebrating honors the historic leaders of the black community. Number two, celebrating helps us to be better stewards of the privileges we've gained. Number three, celebrating provides an opportunity to highlight the best of black history and culture. Number four, celebrating creates awareness for all people. And number five, celebrating reminds us that black history is our history. Okay. So I, 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 yeah. Yeah. And if I could just jump in right quick. Sure. Two more things. Sure. The door stop, you know, how you put the, the wooden piece under a door to keep it open. Uh, mm-hmm. That was invented by a black American as well. And the ironing board. So I forgot those two as well. Uh, no, you you mentioned that earlier, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, that's okay if you said it twice. You know, it's a good thing. Okay. But, you know, what I, what I want to uh, say, you know, um, uh, also, and, and we go on to our next um, topic is that, 
you know, because um, these individuals were brought over as slaves and they had to do all of this hard work. So a lot of these adventures were born out of the necessity for them to be able to perform these heartbreaking, backbreaking tasks every day. So they were they were needing to be able to simplify and also to, you know, to make it easier for them so that they could complete their tasks, you know, that they had to do. Okay. Now, I want to move on to our next um, discussion, which is living in a godly world surrounded by ungodly circumstances. One of um, my uh, favorite um, ministers is uh, Dr. St- uh, Charles Stanley. And uh, as, as I was listening to him this week, I pulled up one of his older sermons on YouTube, Reginald, and it was titled Taking Control of Our Thoughts. And um, it's dated 1-12-2015 for all of you who uh, you know, would like to, uh, pull up Charles Stanley. And if you also like Charles Stanley and want to listen to him and, um, you know, and he had, and it was over 2 million views just for this one, Reginald. Now <clears throat> he says that our minds are our control tower and what we think about, uh, controls our lives. For me, that is a beautiful thing because we can have beautiful thoughts, loving, kind thoughts about ourselves and others. As I have said to you listeners many times before, as it was told to me, so as you think it, so it will be. Now, Dr. Stanley says our responses are linked to how we think and that we as human beings had influences in our lives, such as our grandparents, our parents, um, teachers. You know, if they said so, <laughs> then Reginald, you know, it's like, OK, well, it's true. And for me, this can be carried with us for the rest of our lives. Now, there were so many important, valuable things that Dr. Charles Stanley talked about in this sermon. And so this is why I implore you that if you are a fan of Dr. Stanley, please go and listen to it. And one I want to mention is that he said that Satan works on your mind, not your toe, not your leg or arm, not your back. He works in your mind. It is the most powerful tool God has given us. And I and I have talked about this before on my show, Reginald, that our most precious commodity is time and the most powerful tool that we have is our mind. And I totally agree with Dr. Charles Stanley. As I have said on my previous shows that there is nothing more powerful than a made up mind. And he said it makes a difference what you think, whatever you put in your mind is there to stay. And and I want to I want to get your take on this uh, original, but I want to say one more thing. I remember a part of the sermon um, that um, uh, the um, minister from Crystal Cathedral, um, he said, Dr. Robert Schuler, and he said, be careful. What you look at, what you see, who you talk to, what you eat and what you think, because they become a part of your life for the rest of your life. Now, Reginald, you are a mental health therapist, and I, you know, just like to know, do you agree with what I just stated? And how often do you have to remind your clients about the power of the mind? Now, speaking of that sermon, it's just ironic. I listened to that sermon last night as I was going to sleep. I usually listen to Dr. Stanley or Joel Osteen have that on uh, one of their sermons on as I as I fall asleep at night. And that's one of my favorite um, uh, sermons by Dr. Stanley. But, so, again, I listened to that um, as I fell asleep last night. 
And sometimes I don't get the whole one through. So I've, I've usually dozing off by, within the, the first 5, 10, 15 minutes, but, you know, subliminally it's still out there and it's still powerful and your brain is still soaking it in. I totally agree with what, with what Dr. Stanley was saying uh, about uh, our mind. So I not only have to remind my clients of, of that, I have to remind myself of that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Because our mind, I mean, as we think, so we are. Uh, you know, if you think uh, you can do something, you can. If you think you can't, you're you're right. And and uh, he's exactly right. Satan and the Bible states that that you know Satan is he goes after our mind after our thoughts because our actions follow our thoughts. So mm-hmm. uh, I totally agree with Doctor Stanley. Um, uh, Satan is not con- he's not concerned about our our leg our foot our whatever because uh, if he wants to hurt us in any kind of way he gets to our mind. So mm-hmm. I totally agree with that, and it, it's a powerful it's a powerful sermon. But what I love about Doctor Stanley, uh, he just it's like sitting down talking to a good friend at you know on on the couch. Mm-hmm. That's what I really love about him, and he's such an educator when it comes to uh, scripture. And so I, I, I really love him for that, and I appreciate him as well. Yeah, well, the thing about it is that's something that I um, do my best to employ in my show is to have a conversation. You know, just like I'm talking with you, I want um, um, you know my listeners to be able to. Um, if something um, important comes up, they can always hit the pause button and talk about it. You know, uh, put in, throw in their their uh, take on it, and then um, start start the program back up. You know, it's going to be like a conversation because having these kinds of conversation and simplifying things uh, to the individuals, your audience members, um, and your listeners. Um, in my case, and uh, you know, Dr. Charles Stanley, uh, they simplify it because they want you to understand exactly what it is, uh, how it is, how things need to be um, employed in your life, how to apply them so that they can be useful. Because the whole thing is, is that each day of our lives, we are supposed to be better. We're supposed to be better than we were the uh, yesterday. We're supposed to be better than we were two, three weeks ago. You know, we're supposed to, you know, be better than because every single day we are supposed to be learning and gravitating from that. And this is why I say to people at night when you put your head on that pillow, for me, I'm not listening to any news. I don't listen to anything that's, you know, convoluted. I'm going to listen to something that is lighthearted, filled with laughter and, you know, things like that, because all of this stuff plays on your mind. It's food for thought. You know, it's just eating. And, you know, it's like you're eating something. Well, the things that you're listening to is just like, um, you know, Rachel was saying he fell asleep as he was listening to Dr. Uh, Stanley. I do that as well. But, <clears throat> excuse me, subliminally, you are taking it in. So it's better to take something in that is positive than something that's that's negative. You're being bombarded with the, you know, craziness and the unfortunate that happened and, and things like that. So just do your best, you know, take as many deep breaths as you possibly can. And, um, you know, so that you can relax because it definitely will take a toll on how your next day plays out. And it also takes a toll on, you know, your your health as well. So what I want to do now, Rachel, is that 
I want to say uh, as well before I'm done with this segment is that mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people will say, Reginald, well, you know, well, well, how come a lot of this, you know, this, you know, these bad things are happening, you know, if there is a God and I, and I, and my, my uh, very brief uh, answer to that is that God gave us choices. It's our mm-hmm. choice. And so this is why I tell people to be careful what you choose because there, there is a, you know, there's an outcome, be it good or be it bad. So be very careful in what you choose. And I say often, <clears throat> excuse me, I say often, uh, listeners, that God created this world for love. He most certainly did. Just look around you. Just take a moment, as Barbara Walter says, to enjoy the view. Just look at the beautiful rose and look at the little, tiny, minute, intricate veins that run through the, the rose that nourishes it and, and helps it to be beautiful. Just look at the trees. Just look at the, the, you know, the flowers, the, the sky. It's just so much beauty, you know, around you. You know, look at yourself. Look at your family. You know, just look at, you know, look at your home. Just be grateful for all of what you have and all of that you are and all of that you could continue to be. So I often say again that God created this world for loves and love. And then sometimes, as I said before, you know, a lot of human beings just don't see it, you know, with the shootings of our, of our children, uh, for example, Reginald, you know, that goes on mm-hmm. way too often. And, um, so, do you look at this as this is mind created and acted upon? Because what is created, listeners, I want you to get this. Okay, I want you to get this. What is created in our mind will be acted on. It's going to come out. Okay, so do you think that what happened, for example, in Florida is a mind and acted upon event, Reginald? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, this incident and a lot of other incidents um, were premeditated. Mm -hmm. And that's why premeditated acts of violence, um, you know, you're given more and longer sentences for premeditated. And that being that because you had the opportunity to sit, think about it, plan it, go over it, and at any time you could have said, you know what, no, I don't want to do that. So you sit down and you plan that. You made Mm -hmm. up in your mind that this is what you're going to do, that at this time, at 8 o'clock, when the majority of people are walking in and out, that's when I'm going to go and commit this this crime. So you have sat there, you've planned that, and again, that's why sentences are harsher for premeditation. Now, to get back to your answer, yes, so you planned this, you sat down and you thought about it, and then you carried it out. So you, mm-hmm. the action started with the thoughts, started with the brain, and then you you took action on what you were what you were thinking about. It's no mm-hmm. different than a person who wants to design a dress or a suit. You know, you sit down mm-hmm. and you it out, and you go, oh, "I'm going to put straps here and put straps there, and do this, and then I'm going to go and get my material, and then I'm going to go to the sewing machine." You know. It's the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. So that person mm-hmm. has sat mm-hmm. down and thought about making that dress and how to, you know, how to do it and all. And then it's presented to the world. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing with these violent acts. Mm-hmm. And I want my listeners to also understand that this is where creativity is born, is born in our minds. Okay. A lot of people say, oh, my heart. No, 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 no. No, it's not born in your heart. It's born in your mind. Because your mind is the ruler of everything. So this is where creativity is, is, is brought about as, um, I'm, I'm echoing, um, you know, also what Reginald was saying. And I just want to once, once again remind you that the mind is a very powerful tool. It's like a locomotive. There is nothing more powerful than a made up mind. I'll say that again. There is nothing more powerful than a made up mind once your mind is made up your whole being and everything has taken agreement it's just like you sign a contract okay dated it signed it the ink is dry it's gonna happen okay not unless as you're thinking about and on your way out the door to create this act whatever it is be it good or bad you who is the driver of all of this, decide, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Then that's when the locomotive stops. Otherwise, it continues, you know. And this goes right into segments, right into our next uh, topic for discussion, Reginald, which is advocating for children. Why is it so important and why is there so less of it? Now, my heart goes out to the children and their parents regarding the recent shooting that took place in Florida at the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School last week in this great country of ours. My heart goes out to the individual who did this terrible act as well, listeners and Reginald, because he needed help and no one advocated for him. Do you understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Sure. And, um, you know, that shows and goes to, uh, you know, kind of the, the shortcomings and the failure of, of some of the systems, of some of the uh, social service systems, um, where people did uh, alert others uh, about this young man. Uh, one young man was saying that um, uh, in sixth, uh, seventh grade, they used to joke about, or oh, if anything happens at his school, he would probably be one of the people to do that. Um, also, the people who, and this isn't the blame game, but this is just, you know, facts are, are, are what it is. Like to say, you know, uh, if, if it happened, it's, it's a fact. When this young man came to this last uh, people's house, he brought his weapons with him. Mm-hmm. Why would you allow someone who is going to stay with you temporarily to bring in a weapon into your home mm-hmm. that could hurt you, that could hurt your wife, that could hurt your children. You know, why, it's, why, why would you do that? Oh, he, he said he would lock it up. No shit. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. He said he would keep it locked up. And he gave us the key. Well, he had more than one key. You know, mm-hmm. now this does not, and, and the, the popular thing now is for Republicans to talk about mental health, mental health. Yeah, it's the mental health issue. That's to skirt the issue 
of the NRA and their blood exactly. And not exactly any gun law. So now they yell mental health, mental health, mental health. Well, the United States is not the largest country in the world. It doesn't have the most population. The United States doesn't have a monopoly on mental illness. So there are mm-hmm. other countries with mental <laughs> mental ill people. And they mm-hmm. don't have the kind of carnage that happens in this country. And why is that? It's not because of a lack of mentally ill people. It's because of laws. Laws enacted to keep these kind of weapons out of the hands of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know what? Back to the people that this um, young man was staying with. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want them to know that they consciously and or unconsciously sign on to his crap. Yeah. They saw him bringing yeah. in the weapons into their home. It's not like you saw him walking down the street past your house with the weapons in his hand. Which you should have done something about that. If you know, if anybody sees that, they should do something about it. But I'm just saying, they're bringing. He brought this into their abode. This is their home, okay? And they did nothing about it. So for me, they're partly responsible for what happened to those unfortunate lives in Florida. That's right. You know, you know what I'm saying. And and you know, I was listening. Um, for a little bit um, earlier this morning and um, uh, because I do I can't you know I listen enough to stay informed listeners and I and I told told you that and my brother knows this too because I I my soul doesn't allow me and I don't allow my soul to take in so much crap you know I I'm a I broadcast on this program I talk about a lot of things to keep you guys informed and you know to educate you to help you and things like that and uh, as much as I possibly can and I'm helping and educating myself as well but I, I I don't allow my soul to take in all of that you know it's like you know it starts regurgitating seriously and 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 um Trump was supposed to have been talking to these children and of course he's looking with a scowl on his face because he's you know he wants to seem like he's tough or whatever. Uh listen, I w- I could drop him off into Chicago someplace and he'll be calling for his mama so he's not tough. Tough. But what I want to say uh, Reginald and my listeners is that it you know it is it's the typical line of bull crap every day gone time. Okay? Well, you know, um, we're going to do something about this and we're going to do, they're not going to do anything. So what he's saying is the same old thing, Reginald. Um, who is that? The four tops used to sing. It's the same old song. Um, I, I, you know, we should up the age, get this, Reginald, to 21 before you could buy an assault weapon. And you've already talked about the mental health thing. You know, he brought that up. And, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? That is not a resolve. And then here's the other one. Teachers should have uh, teachers should have guns because if they saw him coming in, they, they could have just shot him down, you know, and uh, that would have been the end of that. That's what he said. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, so, OK, so once again, you wasted time. 
they could have been reporting on something that was uplifting and, and that would inspire and help the populace as they're listening to, um, this is reported on CBS. They could have reported on something that was, that was unique or just switch over to the Olympics. You actually broadcasted that and that's what he said. And that's a resolve. You're not talking about going after the NRA, shutting things down. No citizen should have any military style weapons period it's supposed to be only for the military do you understand what i'm saying reginald and and here's the here's the thing about it you know i was listening and and watching also listening to this on on the radio when i got up as i was driving home and when i got home picked up as well with marco rubio the coward that he is was at the, the town hall meeting and and a and a high schooler just completely took him to task. And uh-huh. a, a lady representative to the NRA, uh, the beautiful young woman who spoke Saturday, completely took her to task. Uh, Trump sat there yesterday in the White House with his talking points, and the camera caught a picture of the paper that he was holding with yes. all the talking points of, of what that, of what to that, ask for of, of, of what to ask for, you know. Okay, now here's the thing, you know, I mean, he stands there and he says, well, if, if a person or teacher had a gun, they could have, you know, this isn't a movie. I know that happens in movies. Thank uh, you. But it's different from going to a rifle range and shooting at a target than to have a target that's shooting back at you. And a target that can shoot. Thousands, hundreds of rounds per second versus a handgun. Gun, yeah. Okay. Also, yeah. You have other, and 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 it's not so easy when there are other people around, students and other teachers around when mm-hmm. this gunfight is going on. Um, it's completely different when the shit really hits the fan than to have mm-hmm. somebody that's shooting back at you and a moving target. One thing mm-hmm. that made Muhammad Ali such a w- wonderful boxer, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Sugar Ray Robinson, was they were so ahead of their time when they were, were when they were moving targets. They weren't the standstill kind of targets like Sonny Liston and some of these other guys. They were moving targets, and it's difficult to hit a moving target that's swinging back at you. Thank you. The same thing with a gun. You have a person that's shooting back at you. The majority of teachers in schools are female, number one. I'm not saying that a female cannot handle the firearm and all of that, so don't start tripping people. Like, oh, so you read your said a female can't get, you know, shoot a firearm. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. what what person wants their wife to go in or their husband? So I'll just say mm-hmm. this. You want to go in and you want to educate children. It's not your job to walk around with a Gun. It's exactly. Just, it's, it's so again, exactly. All of this was just a dog and friggin' pony show. Pony show. Exactly. About not taking money from the NRA any longer. Not not uh, in, enforcing laws and enacting new laws, and doing the third part is doing something about mental health. In my opinion, as a mental health professional, that's the latter part. Yeah, that's important, well, and we need to. But we need to be able to keep these weapons off the streets, streets. and from being purchased. 
Exactly. And I'm so glad that you said that, Reginald, um, for me and my listeners, because that is exactly what I was going to say. The mental health issue is down on the it's the lower rung of the ladder. It is not what is the most important here. The most important is to write down is to is to make laws right now. That will eliminate people from purchasing any military firearms, not unless you are the military, period. And I totally agree with what you said. You got, you know, that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. I mean, it's so stupid, and I'm such an advocate for children. I'm like, you know, you stupid ass. I had to turn. I had to turn. I'm like, I wish one of those girls would get up and just slap him upside his head. Why did I even come here? Because you aren't going to do anything, but we're going to take it to the street and we're not going to stop. Because if they stop like that, I I was so um, happy that that young lady, when she ended everything, she said BS. I I loved it um, when she said, you know, taking money from the NRA. If a lot of them stop taking money from the NRA, they got to get out of their houses, their Porsches and everything else. All right. Okay. Because as I said before, go online and look at how much money a representative and a, and a senator makes. But they got lavish houses. Their kids go to the criminal crime schools. How is that? Okay. Far too many, far too often people get into politics not to represent their constituents. A lot of them get in for other things. You know? Gone are the days of, you know, uh, Teddy Kennedy and, and things like that, you know, and I'm in individuals like that, uh, Carter and, and Clinton and, and, and Barack Obama. You know, I mean, this is, this is something else that we got and this is scary. This is a very scary situation, you know, that everything that, uh, uh, President Barack Obama employed, he is deploying. And it's, it's very scary that you got children. This is our future, and you're not doing anything to protect these children, and you're going to now put that on the responsibility of the teachers. Come on now, and and you know you know when you're in that a a a, a gunfight with a uh, you know a knife with a gunfight, the adrenaline is flowing and everything. Reginald, I mean you know, and I mean as you said, this is the movies. This That's isn't, right. you know, the, you know, the Black Panther, uh, movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. Right. It's not a and, movie. And, this and is real a, life situation. And I, and it just, and it just breaks my heart. It really does. It just, it just breaks my heart that once again, they're not going to do anything to help the children once dang gone again. I'm telling you. What were right. you going to say, Reginald? And, and the thing about it, you know, when something like this happens, and if a teacher has a gun and he or she is engaging somebody, when the SWAT team and the police officers arrive, they don't know who's the bad guy. The police <laughs> officers and the SWAT team are going to engage the person, the first person they see with a handgun or, so, you know, or who's shooting, who's engaging. That's who they're going to take down. So now you're going to have an innocent person who's now shot. Because again, the police officers and the SWAT team—they don't—they don't—they don't know, they don't, they don't know. Who, who, who exactly. They don't know, and and more has more people need to understand this. 
that Trump overturned President Obama's law that allowed that where mentally ill people cannot purchase a firearm. Trump Thank overturned you. that. Are you kidding did, me? Is that okay? Did, did, now, if you're a member of the mm-hmm. NRA or a gun owner, you can't be okay with that. And exactly. if you want to make it a mental health issue, okay, let's make that a mental health issue. So is it okay now for mentally ill people because of Trump to own firearms? So there's so, a mental health issue right there. So how do you deal with that? So Did if that is the that? case, see, but see, Reginald, he talks out of, he has many sides of his mouth. Okay. So you disarmed and, and, and denigrated what President Barack Obama did about the, about the laws making sure that mentally ill individuals cannot get firearms like you're saying. And I'm glad you mm-hmm. brought that up because I was going to, but now you're saying you're going to enforce these. Uh, what kind? What kind of damn system that make to take the law out in the damn beginning? Then that's right. It's so. It's so you're going to take it out now. It's going to now. You're going to look like you know. Well, here I am. You know. Um. You know. Here I am. You know the the big white man. I'm putting this law in. You know that if you're mentally similar, it was already there. That's right. It was that's already right. there. And who knows if the law was there? I don't know how long. This 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 young man had the you know the the um the the weapons or anything like that, but you know maybe perhaps if those laws were still intact, right. maybe he would not have been able to acquire these rep these assault weapons. I mean, it's, right. and then he said twenty one. Right. No, it shouldn't be. You should not be able to get a, an assault rifle or anything at the age of twenty one. How old was that man that shot up all of those poor people in Vegas? How That's old was right. he? He was a freaking baby boomer. Okay, I mean it's 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 totally right. it's it's ridiculous. I'm telling you. So this That's is right. you know I wanna yeah I wanna continue on because I'm running out of time because you know I get on my soapbox you know about advocating for children, and so you know I I it's so important listeners to advocate for children you know because way too many of our children are going astray. Doctor Stanley. Um, talked about the lack of having a father in the home. Nowadays, he says, it does not seem to be important to many individuals to get married and have a family that I call, that I'm calling, that is, that is intact. You know, you know what I'm saying, Reginald? Because when right. your family is intact, and I know now this does not downplay single women, okay? Because I was a single parent, all right? And that, that was, that was my choice. You know, I I was married, but then I said, this is not good. So goodbye, Felicia. All right. So the, the thing is, is that so then therefore you've got to be that strong, strong person to give the guidance. you got to build that foundation for which they can stand on. So if they go too far to the right, too far to the left, they will always have something that will bring them back into the middle of where it is that they need to be. Not just as they are coming up, as they're little goober goobers, high schoolers, whatever, for the rest of their lives. You know, they need to know the importance of not being on the wrong side of the right thing. You know, and just remembering that these children are our future. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Absolutely. And, you know, being a therapist and a case manager for years prior to being a 
a, a, a therapist, or I worked in family services, and, and still currently, a lot of the clients that I work with have these family issues, just what you're talking about, and conducting a session yesterday, just not even 24 hours ago, uh, with, a, with a mom who, um, uh, you know, she divorced her husband, and, and the, the son is spending, they have 50-50 custody, uh, so, so the son spends 50% of the time with the dad, mostly during the week, and he's exposed to drugs. He's exposed to all of these negative things that the dad is exposing him to. And I don't know which is worse of not having that, you know, that strong man present or having that man, so-called man present where he's uh, uh, allowing and, and, and assisting his child, his 15-year-old child, to do drugs. Mm-hmm. So the family structure, the family breakdown is just totally, I mean, it is part of the reason for this. Mm-hmm. Because young men, and, you know, girls, we can speak of them at maybe at a later that, time. That's a, yeah. Say, you know, young young men, they need they need that father figure, that strong presence that where you're going to say, you're not going to do this. I mean, I was about to go into uh, do my session yesterday, and I stopped down to the, uh, the uh, NAAA group prior to going upstairs for my session yesterday. We have that for 14, 14 to 17-year-old people, okay, NAAA group. So just wrap your head around that, 14 to 17-year-olds. And I pulled mm-hmm. one of the young men aside who's 15, and I had to get on him, put my arm around him and told him, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're not going to do. ABC, mm-hmm. they, they need that because if they don't have it, oh, believe me, the streets out there, they've got it waiting for them. And it doesn't matter if you're in a lower economic situation or a higher economic situation. Don't exactly. think it's it, only a it, lower it, economic it, situation. You know, yeah, so. there's there there is no prejudice. I got about four minutes and there's I'm um, right. sorry to cut you off, but I got no. about four minutes and I totally agree with everything that that you're saying, because, as you know, as being a sing- single parent, you know, that, you know, I employed, uh, you know, varying things within myself because I grew up in what I call an intact Household. Now, this does not mean that single women cannot successfully raise their children. That's not what I'm saying, ladies. But all I'm saying is that. There are, but it, the, the fact remains that there are so many of our children that are going astray. So there are other uh, things that need to be employed, um, you know, in, in your family structure. And, and um, you know, but that's a whole nother uh, 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 discussion of making sure that your children are doing what they're supposed to be doing while you're busy, you know, working and making sure that they have a roof over their head, food in their mouth, clothing and so forth and so on. Because I, I get it. It is no easy task. And um, <clears throat> and I just want to mention uh, one thing that I'm giving a shout out to all of the students who are organizing and who will be participating in the marches against gun violence. I just, I, 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 you know, my yeah. heart goes out to you. You know, I love all of you. I don't know you, but you're all my children. Um, and you know, and I'm praying for you. And you know, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's just a wonderful thing. And, uh, and, and also, I, this reminds me, Reginald, and I, I, I discussed this with you, and I'm not going to name the organization <laughs> that I was working for, 
But, you know, they they told me, you know, I was mediating and they told me that they didn't want me advocating for people. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we that's not what we want. And, you know, that's not what, you know, mediating. Well, if you're not advocating for people, then what the hell? Why even bother? Right. You know, but you, you understand what I'm saying? It's it's on that. It's on the same uh, um a wavelength, uh, brother, what we're talking about here, that mm-hmm. far too often people, okay, grown-ups, set this up. You don't want somebody advocating for, for I mean, what, then the, the problem is never going to resolve, see? So this, right. you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. So right. I, in, in ending, I want to say this to any young person or, uh, that's listening to me that's, um, you know, involved in in, um, you know, uh, fighting against the gun violence and things like that. I do have a question that I would like for them to ask their parents, Reginald. Mm-hmm. I would like for them to ask their parents, did you vote for Trump? Knowing right. full, knowing full well that he is for the NRA. And if you did, why? That's okay. Right. Put that question to them. Put that question to them. Okay. I want to get to my last thing because I think I got about, uh, uh, three minutes. I just want to quickly say, choose wisely as there are repercussions for everything um, um, in life. Okay? Just just choose wisely. My engineer just told me, nope, I have two minutes. I mean, one minute. Okay? And uh, unfortunately, Rachel, some people do just do things without a positive thought for outcome, just haphazardly. And um, so I got I got I got to uh, uh, close my my talk session because it just goes by so quickly. But we will continue this conversation, Reginald. Um, I will be back um, on the um, 8th of March uh, for all of you out there. And listening uh, back with our Reginald C. Campbell, we will have another uh, fabulous lineup of, of discussions. I like this, Reginald, having uh, having a lot of uh, different topics to talk about. What do you think very quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's great. You know, it's, uh, you know, life and, and conversation is like a box of crayons, a lot of colors. Yeah. Got a, got a lot of, got a lot of things going. So thank you very much for listening to me. Be kind to yourselves because that's where it starts first and then put it out to others. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa. Go out and make it a great day.